Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast and being a part of our church family here at New Hope. Our senior pastor, Dr. Benji Kelly, is currently leading us through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now here's this week's podcast. What's up today, church? What's up, what's up, what's up? Hope you guys are doing well. I am glad that you are here today. I want to give a warm shout out and a warm welcome to all of the campus locations, wherever you are, or our TV audience. We are glad that you are joining us today. Amen, church? It is going to be a good day. We are wrapping up this series, but it's not really wrapping up today. You'll hear about this. You do not want to miss next Sunday, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'll save that to the very end. But we have spent 31 weeks in the Bible, and it has been a grand, epic journey. So let's, uh, let's open up our binders one more time. If you got your binders, all right, click, click, put your teaching notes in there. And you know what? We might actually come up with a method by which you can continue to take message notes, maybe pick those up at the resource center or something like that, because there is nothing like learning the word of God. Can I get an amen? So we are in the book of Revelation today, and it's Revelation. I know I've said that a lot. It's not revelations. There is no S on it. There is one revelation, just like there is one Lord, one church, one faith, one baptism. Amen? So we're in the book of Revelation, and the truth is, Revelation can be a little confusing. It can be a little bizarre. I mean, it's not always that you read about this kind of stuff today. It reminds me of a student that was in a college lecture hall. Many of you have experienced the sadness of a child going off to college. I would be one of those. But she's coming home for Thanksgiving. Um, she hasn't been that far. She's been five minutes away at the University of North Carolina. But, but, I'm so excited. I, I've never been this excited about Thanksgiving. She's coming home. She might even be here today. Anna Grace, I love you. I adore you. You are still the cream in my coffee. Glory, hallelujah, amen. But it reminds me of this story. There was a, there was a, a, a lecture hall. You've been there. You can remember. And, and the college uh, professor is up there lecturing on physics. You, how many of you took physics at all of our campuses? Come on. You remember physics? And finally, this student couldn't take it any longer. He just could not take it. And he just blurted out, hey, prof, why do we have to learn physics? And the class grew deathly quiet, just like it is right now. And the professor didn't hesitate, and he looked right at the student. He said, to save lives. And then he promptly continued to lecture. Well, a few moments passed, and the student raised his hand and interrupted the professor again and said, how does physics save lives? The professor looked right at him, straightened up his back, and said, physics saves lives because it keeps students like you out of medical school. <laughs> that young buck had nothing on that tenured professor. The point is very simply this. Just because something is confusing doesn't mean it is unimportant. I would put the book of Revelation in that 
category. Today we come to the end of the Bible. And if you did your reading this week, we studied specifically chapters 1 through 5 and 19 through 22. The book is plain, outright hard to understand. The book has been misinterpreted over and over and over and over again throughout the history of the church since the Bible came to be. There are bizarre images in the book of Revelation, strange creatures, symbolic numbers like 666, people eating scrolls, bottomless pits, the four horses of the apocalypse. Come on, I'll go ahead and say it if no one else will say it. It's just a little bizarre. It's a little strange. And the truth is, as a result, many people have misinterpreted the book of Revelation for centuries now. Now, FYI, I did an entire series on the book of Revelation in 2015. It's in the resource center at all of our campuses today. It is humanly impossible to preach a message before you today on the entire book of the Revelation. It's just impossible. So I'm not even going to attempt. You can go pick up this series if you would like. And there I unpack some of the strange, bizarre symbolism and numbers and all of these things. And as I made a point in that series, and you guys ate it up, the truth is if you understand certain things about the Revelation, the book just kind of cracks open and it is easy to understand. But if you don't, it is very difficult. And as a result, the book of Revelation has been misinterpreted over and over and over and over and over again, usually having to do with the end times. In 1988, 2000, 2012, many different groups, the Darbians, some of you will know that name, some of you will not. The Darbians, I call them the Darbianites. They just keep predicting over and over and over when the world is coming to an end. Have you ever noticed they're always wrong? I was at the Carolina football game yesterday, and the church Twitter feed had tweeted that I was preaching today, so I just kind of retweeted it, and it was on the book of Revelation, and it said that. It, it wasn't five minutes later. Some, some person, actually some ministry organization, retweeted me and commented on how I needed to go to their website to find out when Jesus was coming back and the world was coming to an end again. Now, I ignored them in the name of Jesus. Because over and over and over, people predict erroneously the end of the world. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why people can't understand Jesus' simple words in Mark 13. I want you to read it out loud with me. Ready? Go. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son of Man, but only the... Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Be alert. You do what? Not know when that time will come. You know what that means? You will not know. <laughs> this is Jesus. Jesus is saying only the Father and the Son. You, you will not know. 
So don't get caught up in trying to predict it. And don't follow whack jobs, I mean people, who predict it. The book of Revelation was never meant for charts and graphs, all predicting when the world is coming to an end. Please, 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 repeat after me. Ain't nobody got time for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, did. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to actually do that. I'm sure the campuses did. Seriously, ain't nobody got time for that. Jesus said nobody knows. But the book of Revelation does say this. What's that first word? Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. So who wants to read scripture out loud today and put your name, your life in the bank of being blessed? Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and what? what, what? And take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. And go back to the verse I just read to you. Be alert. Be on guard. Be ready. Because he can come at any point in time. And he's going to come. I still believe that. But ain't nobody got time to predict it. This book has a lot to say to us. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of Scripture. So let me begin... Let me begin with a sports analogy. Is that okay? I know, I know you would never expect to hear me mention sports. I know. Let me begin with this. It's the winter of 1999. I'm 18 years old if you're trying to do the math. The town is Chicago. And that's all I'm going to tell you for now. Okay? Chicago, 1999. I want you to imagine the following paragraph in the Chicago newspaper and see if you can interpret what it's talking about. Are you in? Are you game? Put your thinking caps on. Your job is to try to interpret it. It's talking about a particular sport in a particular city. Here we go. The bull, which once ruled the earth for 72 months, has suffered... A mighty fall. For at the end of the 72 months, the great right horn of the bull, whose number is 20 and 3. <laughs> Say so. Let the reader understand, departed, and so did the great left hand of the bull. Then the third horn of the bull, which was pierced in many places... Wow. And dressed <laughs> like a woman. He might come after me for this. Likewise departed. Then all the beasts of the earth, the hornets and the timber wolves, came and devoured the flesh of the bull. And the glory of the mighty bull was laid low. Who knows what I'm talking about? Young people are like, I ain't got a clue. <laughs> got any interpretations? 
The Chicago Bulls had been the most dominant team in the NBA for six years from 1993 to 1999. But change was in the air. Three of the most prominent bulls left the team, symbolized by my little writing today as the three horns. I'm talking about MJ, baby. Number 23. The best ever to play the game of basketball, in my humble opinion. And, 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 and you, can, you can disagree with me, but you can also be wrong. Here is the great horn, the best number two player of all time. I'm talking about Scottie Pippen. Come on. He was magnificent. And then the bizarre one with piercings all over his body. I'm talking about Dennis Rodman. Hello. So, come on, come on, come on. So, so what's my point? My point is very simply this. Unless you're an avid sports fan, you, you might not have known any of that. But even, even those of you who are just slightly sports fans, you, you get that. But here's my point. The same thing is true when we try to read the book of Revelation. It is full of symbols and analogies. And the truth is they understood it back then. It is very hard for us to understand it now. For example, when you come across this verse in the Bible, there was no longer any sea. It's the book of Revelation. There was no longer any sea. Now, if you like the beach like I'm doing, you're like, dude, that's a bummer. I want to go to the beach. Salt life, baby. They weren't saying there was no longer any sea. To understand the book of Revelation, you have to understand that the sea was a symbol for chaos. In the ancient mind, the sea divided people from loved ones. And it seemed like an uncrossable distance. And the sea brought about storms and invading enemies. And so when the Bible says there was no longer any sea, the Bible was saying we are no longer going to be separated from loved ones. The enemies will not defeat us. We have an ultimate warrior, a victor, not a victim. And his name is Jesus. And he is going to get the victory. Just a couple examples. And again, if this is something that really piques your interest, go get this series because I unpack it. I think I spend six weeks on the book of Revelation. It is a fascinating book. It is the word of God, and we should understand it, but we should also know what we are getting into. So as a result, in my remaining time today, what I want to do is I want to just kind of broad stroke, because again, I can't preach one message on the book of Revelation. I want to broad stroke the book of Revelation so that you understand the book as a whole and you can then go forth and read it. So if you're a note taker, grab your notes. I hope you are. When we read Revelation, write this down. Keep in mind the context of the writing. When we read Revelation, keep in mind the what, church? Keep in mind the context of the writing. You shall never understand the book of Revelation unless you understand the context. And in fact, for that matter, I think whenever you read any of Scripture, you should try and understand the context. 
It's very important to understand the context in which Scripture is written so that you can understand how that Scripture might speak to us in our context. So you take Revelation 1, for example, 9 and 11. I, John, your brother and companion in the what? In the what, church? In the suffering and kingdom and patient, patient what? You're already in the very first chapter of the book of Revelation understanding the context. They are suffering. They are praying and trying to exude patient endurance. That is ours in Jesus. Was on the island of Patmos of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, that's Sunday by the way, I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. So the book is written to who? The seven churches. And once you understand that, I believe what the Bible is saying is the book is written to the church. If you go study those seven churches and where they were, guess what? It was a large circle around Patmos. It was John's way of saying, we're sending this out to the church universal. This is a book for the church. This is a book that the Bible says, blessed is those who read aloud the book in the church. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll which you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. It was written to the church. So let me just explain a few things to you real quickly. If you're a note taker, you really need to jot these things down in your Bible. Maybe on the, on the first page of the book of Revelation. The context that this book is written in is that they were highly persecuted. Which is why when you read the book, you can tell these were people who were in fear of losing their life. The context in which it was written is the Johannine community. Now, you're like, what are you talking about? Johannine, John. John wrote the book of Revelation. John also wrote what other book in the Bible? Good job. John. <laughs> it wasn't a test question. I mean, I'm serious. It was John. So he wrote John, the gospel of John. Then he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And then he wrote the book of Revelation. All of those books of the Bible have this this emphasis upon patient endurance, this emphasis upon the fact that they were suffering, they were in dire straits. They were afraid of their life. Rome was brutal. Rome was led by Caesars. This was the first time in which a, a, a leader, Caesar, said, you must declare Caesar is Lord. And he said this, when he was alive and they knew that if they didn't say Caesar was Lord it would be off with their head now there was this other thing that Christians were saying right about this time <laughs> Jesus is Lord and Caesar's like oh no he's not I'm Lord and so within these settings this context the Johannine community was in fear of their life Take you a little deeper. There is a polemic in the gospel of John against the Jewish community. You might not have known this. This is why you got to be careful. People can misinterpret scripture and pretty much say anything they want it to say if they're manipulators enough. It was Hitler who used the gospel of John as reference points and quotes to exterminate 
the Jews. If you don't understand the context in which the church and the book was written in that they were up against the world, it felt like. They were in dire straits. They were scared of what was to come. They were being persecuted. They were being killed. Believers were being seduced by the... And just as I say these few things, I want you to think about whether or not this could ever relate to the United States of America. Believers were being seduced by a godless government. Believers were being seduced by a false religion of the empire telling them that the emperor, i.e. Caesar, was worthy of worship. Believers were being seduced by the hedonistic lifestyle of the empire. You might say, what do you mean hedonistic lifestyle? I'm talking about the pursuit of luxury and wealth and sexual pleasure and fame and power at all costs. Does this sound like any other context? In other words, I'm sitting up here today before you telling you that it is not hard for this old boy to imagine a day in which we in the United States of America might have to choose worship the state or worship God. Now, it won't be that stark, don't get me wrong, but you follow what's happening in our country and religious rights are being taken away left and right. I could preach a whole message on that, but I'm going to move on. Here's the main thing I want you to know. Jesus wants to encourage them, and us, by the way, to remain steadfast in their loyalty and faithfulness to God in the face of hostile powers of darkness and persecution. That was the message of John's gospel, if you look at it from a contextual perspective. Stay faithful. Remain faithful. Steadfast in the midst of hostile powers and an ever-invading blanket of darkness falling over planet Earth. Here's the second thing. Here's the second thing. Let's just keep right on moving. When we read the book of Revelation, keep in mind the type of writing. Keep in mind the what? Keep in mind the type of writing. Everybody say apocalyptic. I know it's a big word. Everybody say literature. Now put them together. Everybody say apocalyptic literature. The Bible, like other languages, has different genres to it. There's poetry. There's all kinds. And then you get to books like Daniel, Ezekiel. And you get to the book of Revelation. And you come across apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic means to unveil it means to disclose, like you're drawing back a curtain to show more of an understanding of what is beneath the surface. There were symbols and there were imagery. Now remember the context that, that I just pointed out. They were fearful of their life. When you are fearful of your life, what do you do? If you have people watching you closely and they will kill you, if you say the wrong thing, you watch what you say. If you're sending letters and communicating, you come up with a kind of code language so that the, the people who are trying to kill you will not be off with your head immediately. 
This is what we come across in the book of Revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel. They were written in such a way that believers of the day and age would understand the symbols and the imagery we as postmodern 21st century Western Americans do not get it right out of the gate. So I'm going to save you a little time. Here's the message of apocalyptic scripture. Here it is. It teaches us God is in control. Amen. I love it. God will have the last word. Evil will be judged. And faithfulness is worth it even if it costs you your life. There it is. It's as simple as I can sum summarize the thrust of apocalyptic scripture out loud, ready, go. God is in control. God will have the last word. Evil will be judged. And faithfulness is worth it even if it costs you your life. Do you believe that? I, I, I know you believe the first few sentences. If you believe God is in control, let me hear an amen. amen. If you believe God will have the last word, let me hear an amen. amen. If you believe evil will be judged, let me hear an amen. amen. If you believe faithfulness is worth it, even if, you be careful, even if it costs you your life. I hope so. I hope it's easy for us to sit here and go, oh, we'd die for our faith. We'd been back then, we'd... Forget you, Caesar. Jesus is Lord. I don't know. It's worth thinking about, is it not? If you, if you had somebody come up to you and say, denounce your faith or die. I hope. I hope I would. I believe I would remain steadfast. But it's really worth thinking about. Some of us have a hard time just murmuring the name of Jesus in a conversation. Go ahead now. Right? Be careful. Keep in mind, keep in mind, here's the, here's the next thing. When reading the book of Revelation, keep in mind the focus of the writing. Keep in mind the focus of the writing. This is so key. There is a Singular focus in the book of Revelation. Singular. One person. One man. One God in flesh. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. The book of Revelation is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Always has been. Always will be. It's far more about Jesus than it is about the end times. Did you hear me? Some people read Revelation and all they want to talk about is ooh, end time. He's coming. Remember Y2K? He's coming. It's going to be the year 2000. He's going to come. Everybody's buying computers and other people are like, I don't need a computer. Jesus is coming. The world's coming to an end. And then they wake up January 1, year 2000, like, oh, we made a mistake. <laughs> Go back to the drawing board, come up with another date. No, no, no. It's about Jesus. Revelation 1, 12 through 17. Let's read a, a lengthy passage of Scripture together. 
But remember, the Bible says we're blessed when we read this word in church. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. Oh, oh, okay, cool. I love it. I love it. Read it with me. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. All of the campus. Let's go. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like, get an image, get an image. Let's continue. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. Stop right there. Some are like, when I get to heaven, I want to ask Jesus this. When I get to heaven, I'm going to do that. When I get to heaven, I'm going to walk around and say, look who's here. No, no. <laughs> you and your bad self. When you get to heaven, here's what you're going to do. Note to self, you're going to fall on your face because you're going to encounter such holiness that you've never, ever even began to imagine. It's kind of like, like what Hallmark does to angels, right? Oh, we're about to go into Christmas. Angels, angelology. Angels are always, mm, Hallmark. Angels are warm, fuzzy, cuddly little, have you read the Bible? Whenever you encounter an angel in the Bible... Ah! Go read the Bible. And they're they're just they're just they're not even they don't even compare to the holiness that we're going to encounter when we stand before the son of man. Let's go. Then he placed. Ready? Is it up there? Yeah, yeah, go. They're great. Ready? Go. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, "Do not be afraid. I am the first and the I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades, in other words, hell. Write, therefore, what you have seen, both what is now and what will take place later. It's all about Jesus. And using good old southern vernacular, Jesus ain't no joke. The very first thing in Revelation is the vision of Jesus. Not the humiliation of the cross. Come on, come on. Write this down. Not the humiliation of the cross, but the exaltation of his resurrection. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is large and in charge. In the book of Revelation, the lion of Judah is far from being declawed. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is no joke. He fills the temple. His holiness rocks humanity. He is Lord, not Caesar. Jesus is Lord. And if you lock into that, that'll change everything about the way in which you experience your faith and live out your faith. Jesus is Lord. So if the focus is Jesus, can I just tell you a few things about that focus and then let you go and get ready for Turkey Day? Ready? 
Jesus. I'm just going to end with a few things about Jesus. Three focal points of Jesus. Jesus has the final say over us. Not your boss. Not your child. And not your spouse. You're like, really? Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Jesus has the final say over us. He moves among the disciples. He rules the world. Rome is not the boss. Jesus was and is the boss. That impacts how we live our lives in the end. Because in the end, it will be before Jesus that we will have to give an account. Amen? Number two. Jesus has the final say over darkness. Darkness trembles at the light of Jesus. Jesus has the final say over you. So you have full permission to go home and look at your spouse and say, you ain't got the final say over me. I might just cause some marital problems. I, be careful how you say that. Be careful how you say that. And then give them a big hug and kiss and it'll all be good. <laughs> Jesus has the final say over darkness. Though it looks at times, watch the evening news, go online, do whatever. Though it looks at times like darkness is going to have the final say, we've read the end of the book and light wins every single time. Come on, church. That's a good place to praise his name. You read the whole book and all you see is Jesus throughout the entire book. In other words, let me see if I can paint a picture for you. I hate snakes. Anybody in here love snakes? I know there's a few people. There's always a few people who love snakes. I, I love you, and you love snakes. And it's all good. And come talk to me afterwards if you'd want. If you're at a campus, you can shoot me an email at ilovesnakes.com. And... And, but I, 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 I hate snakes. I don't know what it is. I, the, to me, there's only one good snake. That's a dead snake. Can I get a witness from the snake haters in the house? See, see. Uh, all right. So, but, but I know there's always somebody who, who like, well, I, we, we like the black snakes. Because the black snakes eat the rats. I'd rather live with the rats. Like, I'm serious. I, I, I'm not scared of many things. Listen, I freak out. Ah! I, but I, I, can see a, I can see a snake about that big right there. And, and, ah! I know the cameras. If you just kept up with me, you're good. But I, I can't stand. I, I, will, I, will, I share too much with you every Sunday. I will shoot. I, I do have guns. I will shoot a snake in the name of Jesus and then praise the Lord and celebrate afterwards. My kids know if we see a snake around the yard, don't even bring a hoe to me. Don't even bring a shovel. Come on, boys, let's go to the gun case. I'll blow them up. And again, I know some of you are going to want to send me emails, and I love you. Don't do it. I don't need it. I, let's talk after. Let's talk. Let's talk about snakes. Because I can, I can walk you through biblically how they are evil. I can take you all back to Genesis. They are evil. Evil snakes. Well, my, my granddaddy was different. My granddaddy was the kind of man who he, he could identify a snake. 
and then he knew which ones he wanted to keep around his house. So even as a little old kid, he'd say, that, that's a good snake, that's a black snake, and I'd, I'd run. But then one day I was with granddaddy, and granddaddy saw a rattlesnake. And my granddaddy said, oh, we got to get him. And I followed my granddaddy out to the barn, and my granddaddy got a shovel. And he came out, and, and like, I was, I was standing way back. I, I, even though I didn't want to be near the snake. Well, my granddaddy came and got that snake in the corner of the house, the yard where the yard met the corner of the brick. And he said, <coughs> and all of a sudden, I'll never forget it. I must have been like eight years old. The, I saw the snake become two pieces. And there was the snake body, and there was the snake head. And the head kept going. <coughs> have you seen this? I mean, it, it went on for a few moments. The body was like going away, and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> You're enjoying this way too much. Come on, come on, come on. But we're, this is what I think that the days are like that we're living in now. I believe this was the message of the book of Revelation. Satan and darkness has been defeated. Once and for all through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you're going to clap, praise the Lord. He's been defeated once and for all, but Satan's head has been severed by the work of the cross and has a, come on, limited lifespan. And even though his head is detached, he might be furiously snapping. <laughs> He might still be furiously snapping with venom, but there will come a day. There will come a day when he will stand before God. And just like Genesis promised, God will take that snake and kill him in the name of Jesus Christ. And God's people will reign with him forever and ever and ever. Amen. So, so here's, my, here's my point. I, I know I've, I've been to school and I've studied and I, I know all that. But sometimes I like to keep it simple. Can I keep it really simple? I believe, I believe simple is often best. Here it is. Here's the message of Revelation. You ready? Write this down. Jesus wins. You have to pick a side. Don't be stupid. I did my doctoral work just to be able to say that. <laughs> Jesus wins. You have to pick a side. Don't be stupid. There is one victor, and his name is Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords, reigns forever, will kick Satan in his teeth when it is all said and done. He is limited now, Satan that is. He is limited now, but there will come a day when you will die or he will pierce that eastern sky first. And if you know Jesus, if you're not stupid, you give your life to Christ. He will look at you and he will say, well done, good and faithful, sir. Come on. The Father will look at you and he won't see your sin. He'll see Jesus, the Savior of the world. 
I want you to stand where you are. I'm going to have you stand, then I'm going to have you sit right back down. Call it Catholic if you want. <laughs> Do a little bit of this when you go down if you want. I don't know. Just kidding, just kidding. For the guests here, we're not, we're not Catholic. I want to stand in honor of God's word. And I want us to read this most riveting passage of scripture. Revelation 21, 22, some of my favorite scripture in all the New Testament is this heavenly image. All of the campuses standing to your feet. Let's read this out loud. I want you to read it strong. Read it large because he is large. He is in charge. Ready, go. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. You guys are amazing. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. You sound great, church. Keep it going. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign when? Forever and ever. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Praise his name, church. Praise his name. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. It's a, it's a holy moment. Father God, you're holy. Truth is, when we get closer and closer to you, we tremble in the midst of your holiness. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross. Thank you for being Lord, for being master, for being king. Jesus is Lord. Not any governmental leaders or figures. You are Lord. And you hold the keys to life and to death. Thank you for this letter written to the church. Thank you for this church. 
Thank you that we stand in honor of you today, realizing that you hold the world in the palm of your hands. And even though it might look like darkness reigns and it gets an edge here and there, thank you that our hope is in the gospel. And we know that when it is all said and done, you will destroy and defeat Satan once and for all, and we win. Thank you for giving us an invitation to be on the winning team, Lord. God, I pray right now, if there's a person at any of our campuses in front of a computer or a television, and you're here and you don't know Jesus, you are not certain that he is your Lord. You've never received him as the Lord of your life. I want to invite you to do so right now. The word has been preached. Without any further ado, you are invited right now to open up your mind, open up your heart, open up your life. Lay all of your sins on the table and plead the blood of Jesus. You desire to have a relationship with him on the count of three. I just want you to raise your hand right where you are. Number one, Jesus Christ holds the keys to life and death. Number two, Jesus defeated death forever by dying on a blood-stained cross. And number three, the Father raised him to new life so that every single person who ever believes in Jesus shall rise to new life. Just raise your hand right where you are. Lift it up high. Lift it up high. Wow. Hold them up. Hold them up. And I know the same is happening at the campuses. They are all over the place. Just hold them up. Father, I pray for all these men and women who right now are lifting their hands to you. Father, I trust by faith that it's happening at the campuses in living rooms around the world. Father, I pray right now for the man or woman here who's reaching up to you. The, the raising of the hand doesn't save you, but something powerful happens when a man or a woman just lifts their hands to heaven. If that's you, keep it up and just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I receive you as Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I need you to be my Savior. Help me follow you all the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. Come on, church, celebrate. There's, wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for being a part of this week's podcast. If you have any prayer requests or praises, we'd love to hear from you. Just email our pastors and staff at prayers at newhopenc.org, and we would love to pray for you. If you'd like to support the ministries of New Hope, just stop by one of our campuses or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. We hope you'll join us next week for the podcast, and thanks for being a part of our church family.